This one misused strategy, when properly implemented, will absolutely increase your revenue and give you back much needed time. Are you ready for it? What's up, what's up, business owners? I am Wally Carmichael, your business, marketing, and life strategist, bringing to you this amazing Abundance and Prosperity Business Mastery podcast to share with you quick and simple strategies that you can use in your business to move the needle and set yourself apart from your competition. Now, I said simple, not always easy. And I'm taking time to share these strategies with you because I am so tired of seeing stressed out business owners getting divorced, being depressed, and ultimately, in some cases, actually taking their own life, harming themselves, or just seeing their health deteriorate over the course of time when it simply does not have to be the case. Look, chances are you're absolutely amazing at what you do as a chiropractor, an HVAC technician, a contractor, you name it, you are absolutely amazing at that. The problem is you're not as amazing at business and you simply don't know many of these business strategies and marketing strategies and life and mindset strategies that are that you have to take on as a business owner that's completely different from being a technician working in somebody else's business. And that's what I'm here for. That's what Abundance and Prosperity Business Mastery Podcast is all about, to bridge the gap between you as a technician and you as a very successful business owner adding the most amazing value to your customers and clients that you can and getting duly compensated for that service. Now, when I'm working with a business owner, one of the questions I ask them, because one of my top strategies that I use is joint ventures. Now, don't shut off the audio just yet because I want to fully make sure that you fully understand what a joint venture is. Because when I'm talking to business owners and I ask them, do you have any joint ventures set up? Many of you will say yes. So I'll ask you to define or tell me what that joint venture looks like. And more times than not, you'll describe a basically a word of mouth or some sort of a referral relationship that you have with other businesses or people in your community. And while that is a great strategy, a good technique and highly recommended, it's not what I'm talking about when I say a joint venture. What a true joint venture will do for you is give you a steady stream of very qualified prospects that will convert into paying clients and customers. And it will put additional revenue in your pocket without you doing much of anything other than referring your customers to other businesses that you have a joint venture relationship with. Sounds crazy, right? So let me share with you my definition of a joint venture and then I'll give you a couple of examples of how this works. So a joint venture involves two or more businesses that decide to form a partnership to share markets or endorse a specific product or service to their customer base, usually under a revenue share agreement. The key to creating successful joint ventures is to find partners who serve the exact same type of clients that you serve. So let me give you an example of how not to set up a joint venture. So a while back, I had a conversation with an architect and this specific architect, he would design add-ons to homes or... Uh, additional rooms or anything of that nature, small projects like that. And he would provide the blueprints. And it was really cool because he used this software. And I'm sure you architects out there know what I'm talking about. He had the software that he could just put all these 3D plans together. Really amazing stuff. And he got to the point to where he just had no more time in the day to take on any more clients. So I asked him, are you joint ventured with anybody who actually goes out and builds these projects that you design? 
And he said, well, yeah, there's like three or four contractors in the area that basically I will refer the customer to. And then they have used my plans before and they will build the project. And I said, okay, awesome. So how do you have that monetized? And he looked at me with a blank stare. He said, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, do you, you're giving them business. Are they giving you business back? And do you have that relationship monetized? Is it a professional relationship? And he said, well, no, whenever I do the project, I just tell the customer, hey, contact this guy. He does a really good job in this area and with this type of project. And he leaves it at that. I said, well, you are leaving tens of thousands of dollars on the table each year. Now, let me give you an example to properly set up a joint venture. And I'm going to use a florist for this example. One of the most financially lucrative product lines for a florist is providing flowers for weddings. The average floral bill for a wedding, believe it or not, often exceeds $3,000. But what we've discovered is that florists fall into what we refer to as an event chain. An event chain simply refers to a series of businesses that customers purchase from in a specific sequence. For example, a wedding will never take place until an engagement ring is purchased from a jeweler. So jewelers are at the forefront of every wedding chain. Once the young lady accepts the engagement ring, this event chain kicks into high gear. First, this young lady usually knows exactly where she wants to get married. So number one on the agenda is to book the church, chapel, synagogue, or wherever she wants the ceremony to be held. Second on her list might be to hire a wedding planner. In most cases, especially for the lady, weddings are a big deal, and often women like to use the services of a professional wedding planner. Next up, she wants to secure the venue for her reception. She knows most venues book out months in advance, so locking in that venue is high on the priority list. After that comes the wedding dress, so she begins the search for a perfect dress at an affordable price. Next is our florist. Now the florist could be somewhere within this list, but let's just say that the florist is the next on the list. The bride-to-be will want to begin selecting her floral arrangements for both the wedding and the reception. Then after the florist comes the wedding cake, the printer for the invitations and the thank you cards, and depending on the financial ability of the bride-to-be, she may also be interested in hiring a limo, a DJ for the reception, a travel planner for the honeymoon, the hotel, catering, and so on. Well, this event chain is typical of this industry. And for the florist, it specifically identifies a multitude of potential and very lucrative joint venture partners. But here's why this becomes so important. Every business above the florist has the potential to endorse and send prospects to the florist. Unfortunately, the florist has no control over that flow of prospects. Every business above the florist controls the joint venture relationship. So it's critical that the florist creates such a compelling offer and relationship with these businesses that they feel obligated to send prospects their way. But listen to this. Here's what's even better. The florist controls the prospect flow to all businesses below them in the chain. And by establishing specific processes and procedures to make sure that their customers use those businesses, the florist can negotiate compelling offers with those business owners as well. So consider these numbers. Let's say that the florist cultivates a JV relationship with at least one of each business throughout this entire chain. Staying ultra conservative with our estimates, would you agree this florist, since they have no control over the flow of prospects from these businesses, is it likely that they could obtain at least one referral each month from just one of the businesses above them? I certainly think so. 
So that being the case, would you also agree that conservatively that since the florist has control of the flow of prospects to the businesses below them, that they could easily send at least one referral to each one of those businesses each and every month? And keep in mind, these are very conservative estimates that we're using here. Since the average floral bill for a wedding is about $3,000, then just one referral per month from those businesses above the florist increases their annual revenue by $36,000. Now let's consider the businesses below the florist where the florist controls the referrals. Let's start with the wedding cake maker. The average sales price for a wedding cake is also about $3,000, which blows my mind. And the florist could easily negotiate a 10% referral fee. So just one single referral per month produces an additional annual increase of $3,600 for the florist. And we could stop there, but let's consider the printer. The average sales price for printing is about $1,000. And the florist again could receive a 10% referral fee. So that single referral per month produces an additional annual increase of $1,200. Now, if we stop there, the florist has just increased their annual revenue by more than $40,000. And that's using ridiculously conservative numbers. Imagine if we continued to add up the revenue produced by all of the additional referral fees the florist could earn from all of the other vendors in this chain. And this same process holds true for businesses that aren't in a chain. But just like the florist, they simply identify partners who service the exact same type of clients that need or want what they sell. Let me give you an example of a broke, extremely overworked landscaper. So this landscaper has multiple clients. And as he's having conversations with his clients, they might say something like, oh, I need a new roof to get put in, or I want some hardscaping put in back here. I want to put a pool in. I want to put some pavers over here and various other things. I want to put a outdoor kitchen, gazebo, pergola, all this other kind of stuff. So what this landscaper saw was cha-ching, cha-ching, I can do that, I can do that, I can do this. And while he did not actually have the skills to do what needed to be done, what he would do is he'd go out and learn the skills. We got YouTube these days. He would talk to other people. He'd figure out how to put in pavers. He would figure out how to do certain jobs that he knew that he could do some handiwork. So he'd go out and buy all the material. He'd buy the tools. He'd buy everything required to get that job done. And he would want to do the job himself. Is this sounding familiar at all? <laughs> because a lot of people do this. And what this landscaper found was while he was doing all of these jobs, he was getting all this work and he was spending a lot of time away from his family. He was actually spending more money than what he was earning. He was putting in a lot of time and not getting the return on investment because he was spending a lot of time trying to learn new skills. He was buying tools that he didn't normally know how to use or used in the past. And he was taking on jobs that were way outside of his wheelhouse Instead of focusing on what he did best because he was an amazing landscaper. He kept everybody's grass green. He kept it perfectly manicured. All the bushes were amazing. Everything was absolutely perfect. And all the clients absolutely loved him, which is why they felt confident in hiring him to do these other jobs. But he didn't do the other jobs very well. And on top of that, he was losing money on it. So he would actually lose clients because they would remember him for what he did with their crappy paver job or whatever other job that he was doing. In contrast, had he gone out and built joint ventures with all of these other people, all of these other contractors, the roofing company, the pool installation company, the hardscaper, 
the screen enclosure contractor, even a sunroom company, had he built joint ventures with all of these folks, and when he's having these conversations with his clients, he would say, Bob, I know a guy. This guy puts in the best outdoor kitchens with pergolas and all kinds of different options. They clean up after themselves every day, and they leave the place better than they looked when they first got there. And then he makes that connection. And when the job is done, he gets a 10% revenue share, whatever agreement he has with the contractor. And he didn't have to do anything other than make the suggestion. Now, I'm making this sound really easy, but I assure you it's not. And here's why. You not only have to properly identify who would make an excellent joint venture partner for your business, but you also have to determine the order to approach each one, how to approach them, and when to approach them. It's critical that you do this properly or you wind up burning through all of your potential JV partners and come out with nothing in return. One way you could do this is in your informational offer. And I don't know if you heard any of my past uh, episodes where I talk about the importance of the informational offer because of where your prospects are at on their buyer's journey. When they're basically just looking for information, you have to have some way to provide that information to them. And in an informational offer or some sort of idea guide or anything of that nature, you would mention your joint venture partners in that guide. And if it's an electronic version, like something you're emailing to them that they can download, you would want to have a clickable, unique link that would lead them to your joint venture. That way your joint venture partner would know where that lead came from. And then you could get paid whether they did business with you or not. How awesome is that? Now, if you would like more information on joint ventures specifically, included in my e-learning platform is a two-video series just on joint ventures with complete templates of proposals and contracts and the whole bit. Everything's there with multiple examples. And I've got informational offers already drawn up for multiple industries if you'd like to find out more about how to get access to the e-learning business mastery system as either a do-it-yourself or to work with me personally, then I would love to have a 15-minute call with you so that we can go over your business, find out what your top business-related issues are, and then together decide if you and I can work together in some capacity. To book that call with me, either go into our Facebook group and send me a message, I'll provide you the link, or I will provide a link in the show notes of this episode. Rather we end up working together or not, you will walk away from that 15-minute call with a strategy that you can implement in your business that day. Now listen, there are many business owners out there that are either struggling or trying to get to the next level in their business. It's important that you be abundant in your life by paying it forward and sharing these episodes with others. Look, I'm giving you this amazing value absolutely free of charge, not charging you to listen to this podcast. All I'm asking is that you share the wealth, share it with other people so that they can improve their business, increase revenue, and gain back the time so that they can spend more time on their personal health with their family and in their community. And speaking of community, I invite you to join our Facebook group specifically for this show. And you can find that group at facebook.com slash groups slash AP Business Mastery slash AP Business Mastery. You can also find the link in the show notes of this episode. And remember, it's important for you to do what you do best. Let others do the rest.